whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report Legal Report, and this is a blockbuster. This is all about the lawsuit from August 2021 against the Department of Defense filed on behalf of a courageous service member, Staff Sergeant Dan Robert, that stopped the use of force for all of us, military and civilians, when Todd Callender, David Wilson, and a few others on the legal team helped to support this courageous service member against the tyranny of the Department of Defense mandating the experimental gene therapy prototype COVID injections that were created by the Department of Defense contract with Pfizer as a prototype, not even a truly clinical trials experimental product, and then issued under emergency use authorization in a bait and switch that I was there for the press conference on August 23rd in. 2021, when they claimed that the FDA had approved the Pfizer shot, when in fact it had not. It was very clear that Pfizer's was continuing under emergency use authorization. So was Moderna and J&J. And only BioNTech, legally distinct, was given conditional approval dependent upon five more years of safety trials for the cardiomyopathy and myocarditis risk that were known at the time. Then, 24 hours later, and after Secretary Lloyd Austin's mandate for an FDA-approved COVID shot, the licensing authorization for BioNTech was removed. BioNTech COVID shot actually was manufactured in Europe and only available in Europe on EUA. And they tried to claim that this was the approved shot for our military. It was a deceptive tactic, a bait and switch, and absolute deception for the troops that were forced into an experimental gene therapy prototype shot that has caused untold damage. This is the case of the legal warriors that filed the lawsuit against the Secretary of Defense that has had momentous impact for all of us whether you know it or not, as a civilian. Todd Callender was the lead attorney on it. So, Todd, take it away. Tell us about the case and why you filed it and where we are today. There's some new developments in it. Yeah, it's a never-ending saga because we won't let it die, Doctor. Thank you for having us. It's really cool, by the way, to have 
Dan Robert is our uh, the first plaintiff. There's actually two. But Dan was the first guy, and then my law partner Dave Wilson, who's quiet and shy, but I'm not going to let him get away with it today. Uh, he's a 30-year veteran as a JAG officer, and so this whole story begins actually in 2020 when uh, a group of us understood, yourself certainly included, but a lot of people understood what was happening. We were being forced into a paradigm where forced vaccinations were going to happen, and we were all very concerned about anything such as that, that nobody was observing um, the, the precepts of what's called the common rule, or also known as um, what was codified in the Nuremberg Code as being um, informed consent as a requirement. And we saw in May or so of, um, I guess it was 2021, after Dave and I and some other lawyers threw our hats together into a company called Disabled Rights Advocates that the military was gonna be the lead in this whole thing. And so uh, Dan, um, as our, our star litigant, along with General McInerney, Dave, Lieutenant Colonel Long, and other good people that were active duty and us had a, a an evening conference, much like this one on Zoom, where we talked about what was going to happen, that, you know, we all saw this coming. The military was making announcements that they were going to run with this. At the time, we didn't understand that this was, in fact, a military uh, mission, that um, that this had been planned for decades, that um, the Operation Warp Speed was, you know, tabled to be done in 2016, if you can imagine that. So before all that, we just knew that there was this behemoth coming down the road at us and that they were going to force all of the military into taking these shots. And when I say force, we all knew because there, there are communication lines inside the military unparalleled anywhere. And there were a lot of people leaking saying use of force is gonna be authorized, use of force is gonna be authorized. And so we um, came together and Dan volunteered uh, God bless him for to, to be the plaintiff to try and put a stop. At. He's a career military guy. He's a drill sergeant at the time, uh, beaten up and battered uh, from numerous uh, deployments and, and uh, jumps that went wrong. But he, he persevered and he's the guy that stood. Um, and so we decided to, to craft this lawsuit. Dave was instrumental in it because he's a JAG lawyer. And we picked up a few other lawyers and, and interested parties along the way, including Del Saran and Lou Michaels two lawyers that actually stopped, if you can imagine it, the exact same scenario with anthrax 20 years prior, where the military doesn't care about your rights. If they had gotten an experimental shot, you're going to take it. So we, we all cobbled together this lawsuit, the temporary restraining order to try and stop the Secretary of Defense from mandating with use of force these shots on 1.4 million active duty service members. And so we filed it actually before the order came out uh, because that's what you do in court if you're trying to S-stop somebody, meaning you're preventing something from happening. That's what a temporary restraining order is. We filed that. Um, it didn't make any difference. The court ruled against us and Secretary Austin. I use that term secretary um, term loosely, by the way. Um, but Mr. Austin did, in fact, authorize use of force in his order, along with the compulsory shots to 1.4 million active duty service members, and then reserves as well, National Guard on top of it. So um, that's how this whole thing began. And um, the only reason why I was lead counsel is because we needed to file it in the federal district courts. And I was the only guy that was licensed in the federal district courts at the time. Everybody else joined, but it, it, was, it was really me. And they all signed anyway um, later, but it was just kind of a, it, it was kind of who got the short straw. <laughs> you know, well, yes, but don't tell yourself short. You were actually very creative 
in many of the aspects that you brought into this case. And you can tell our listeners about that. But I want sure. you to clarify why you switched and called him Mr. Austin. That's There's a yeah. very important reason for that. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah. So Lisa McGee is one of our researchers. She acts really almost as a paralegal in many respects. And when we filed this suit, it was more than two years ago now, or about two years ago, sorry. Uh, but, but we'd been at it many months prior to that. And we couldn't understand how it was that we served this temporary restraining order on the Department of Defense, Health and Human Services, the FDA, and the Department of Justice, of course, who, who defends them. The DOJ defends them. We had all of the evidence, including this wonderful sworn affidavit by the, the infamous now um, Peter McCullough, right? Star doc, Dr. Ralph Grams, a, a professor of pathology, believe it or not, Dr. Ruby and some other notable people with cur- tremendous curriculum vitae, all of whom said, stop, these shots are, are experimental, they're dangerous, they're untested, you can't do this. What kind of a fool would make their entire standing army subject to, to being experiments at the same time? You know, at least do these in pockets or not. So I was operating on the mistaken impression that the DOD would go, oh, holy cow, we didn't think about that. Let's just put a halt on this. No, that's not what they did. They went full speed ahead and said, okay, use of force is authorized. And so we started asking questions. What are you going to do? Are you going to assign units to hold people down? And, and very quietly, um, the, Mr. Austin, who has no oath of office, by the way, that's what I was trying to get at, is that we researched who would do this and why. The, the Secretary of Defense is supposed to have an oath of office. It's uh, 5 U.S.C. 3332 and 3331 says it has to be written and it has to be sworn. Doesn't have one. He's got, a, he's got one that's defective. So he, according to the law, he is not validly serving as the secretary. That's why I call him Mr. Austin. Um, by the way, none of the cabinet is serving lawfully. None of them have a valid oath of office. So in any event, um, it was it was the the fuss that we made um, because we, again, rat lines in the military and, and we had the help of people like yourself and influencers all over the nation are saying, what are you joking? Me? Use of force is authorized. They're going to if they're going to force this on the military, you can be assured they're going to force it on us. And we knew that. And so what we really wanted to do was poison the well. And we did that. We went to all the military and said, look, if they're forcing this on you, they're going to force it on everybody. We got to stop this here and now. And that's really what happened. People said, no, I am not going to hold somebody else down um, to give them an experimental shot. This isn't going to happen. It just was uh, it was a bridge too far. Thank God. And um, that is really, frankly, the reason why we're all here, uh, along with the fact that you know, after we filed the suit and Dave will testify to this, there were thousands and thousands of people that came looking to us, you know, our little teeny law firm of three lawyers and, and Dan and his team, by the way, um, they helped hugely in this. We created these templates. Dave had done a lot of this stuff earlier in his life as a JAG lawyer. And whether that was IG complaints, the inspector general complaints, criminal complaints, um, waivers. Look, I, I, I'm not taking this for religious reasons, et cetera. There was five or six templates, and we got those published and out throughout the military. And you know, four hundred thousand or so service members, they papered the holy hell out of the DoD. Uh, we're not taking your shots. Give us an exemption, and the DoD had to answer every single one of those. And so it was really at the end of the day, the service members themselves that stood up and and stopped this whole thing. It, it, our suit was maybe the thing, the catalyst that did it. There were other lawsuits filed as well, and, and some people got injunctions, and, and that helped tremendously to get the whole prospect of mandatory experimental shots into the public consciousness. 
And for that reason, I suspect that only 45% of the world actually got the shots. Um, people were, were talking about this globally. So anyway, with that well, said- Well, I remember I being very involved in working with you and many others. We started our press conferences. We did four in August, 2021, Stop the Shot campaign. Yeah. We began that August 4th for these very reasons. But the thing that was particularly chilling to me as a civilian watching what was going on, aside from the damage to the civilian population, it, it, the only thing that made sense about mandating this extremely experimental new technology, dangerous gene therapy and, and gene modification shot with all the known complications of it already, by August, we already knew what a lot of the damage was by the time Austin right. mandated it. And we knew medically what it was. The, the, there was no explanation that made any sense whatsoever, except they were deliberately trying to weaken our military and change our military readiness and purge Christians and conservatives who stood against the mandate out of the military. There's no question in my mind because it, it actually made people less ready for service because of the damage of the shots. They were less ready for deployment. The leadership was yes. saying this was a condition of deployment. And to try and say that our special forces needed this shot to be deployed when well, it was damaging their heart and their endocrine organs and their brain, this is, this is absolute deliberate destruction in my mind. Dr. So we I wanted a, we to comment on that. You're, you're, you're Dan, absolutely right. We've, we got a fact witness right here. Dan, let's talk I, with love Dan. To hear, yeah. Tell us about yeah. it. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you well, something that's important to understand. So when orders first come out in the military, there's usually an op board for an operation. It's a very structured way of presenting information and the way things are going to go down. And when it's an army-wide policy, it's usually called an execution order. So the execution order is the first one. And every time there's a change, we call it a fragmentation order or a frago for short. So I think by the time that things even came to a close, we were at like, Frago 45 or something like that. It changed so many times. But the original execution order actually had the exact verbiage that commanders are authorized use of uh, force. It said there the minimum amount of force necessary to enforce uh, compulsory vaccination or involuntary vaccination. And a lot of our arguments at the time, too, were uh, just based off of optics because that's something that seems to have a lot of leverage. So it's something we had to be really smart about. Um, the way that we applied that pressure back on the military, especially with like the social media and the IO campaign, like the information warfare stuff we were doing to push back and get things out. And we'd said things like, hey, are you OK with I mean, especially when you had all of the, you know, like BLM protests and stuff shortly there before this. I'm like, are you OK with, you know, in a base in Alabama, four or five white soldiers holding down an African-American soldier and him screaming no much. while they stab him with a, you know, experimental oh, yeah. vaccination or even in Fort Hood at the time uh, where we we're talking about the Vanessa Gillian case and there's a whole like litany of sexual assault problems in the army are you cool with uh, four or five male soldiers holding down a female soldier screaming no and then her body's being penetrated with something against her will I was like how bad do you want this to look and in That's general right. 
that is not right exactly right and a lot of people were referring to it as needle rape you know what i mean and that's how it was coming out and the thing is a lot of us you know we're like is that really how we treat soldiers you know as i was a platoon sergeant in the 82nd i had you know 30 guys to me and i was a jump master and then as a drill sergeant sometimes i'm in charge of 220 other soldiers at a single time um alone and their their care is in my hands it's a position of trust and i was like and that's just not that doesn't enable the force that doesn't make them stronger that doesn't make them more capable that doesn't build trust you know all of those things were going on and it's like it took that kind of pressure and leverage to finally get them to frago that piece of compulsory vaccination out of the original order you know that's really chilling to think about our military service members being used to forcefully vaccinate that that is a totalitarian communist marxist tactic and certainly very much what the Nazis did. So to think that we are being used to do that is very chilling. And Dan, I think I think it was brilliant of all of you to use those kind of analogies and visual images because that would not be accepted anywhere else. Absolutely. And, it, and it's hard because... If you think about the implementation of the tool, I found, especially through this process, evil people rarely ever are the hand executing the evil on their own. Very frequently, it's offset two or three steps, or it's they get people to turn against themselves. And that was something that happened. If you think about it, they were going to use other soldiers in your unit against you. I mean, the entire strength of a military force from the smallest unit, the battle buddy pair, is your ability to rely on each other all the way up through, you know, just the idea that you're all, you go on to be even veterans, even just being an American citizen, the strength is that we stand together on things. So by using each other to implement that, it broke up the strongest element that we had, which was our trust inside of the force with each other. And that is what was really hard is, you know, I remember there was days that I was the only person left in my battalion that was, there's maybe two of us out of like 1200 that were left unvaccinated. And then another order came out and said, uh, one of the fragos is like, hey, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're unvaccinated, you have to wear two. And I remember part of the only way that I had to put it in people's face, how serious this was and what they were complying with was to be almost physically aggressive. And I remember saying it to a group of people in the room. I said, if there's anybody in this room that thinks they're big enough to come over here and put two masks on my face, you're welcome to try. <laughs> and I think it was finally like uh, good for you, good for you. You know, and, I, and everybody's like, whoa, 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 Rob, man, it doesn't have to be like that. And I was like, you're right, but you made it like this. This is what you did. This is how you isolated me. You put me into a corner. I was like, and now you're gonna see what happens when you put people in a corner. I was like, I'm not gonna sit here and just roll over and take it like this. You know, and it was really hard because eventually I was just kind of not welcome around the battalion. Which, uh, you know, which is good because I guess it led to me getting a little extra time at the gym and uh, being away from everybody. But, you know, that was the thing is that, like, it was just too much of a problem to hear intelligent responses, you know. <laughs> so I you know just got stronger. But hang on. I know for a fact. Don't let him get away with this entirely. When he would walk by, entire platoons and formation would start clapping and cheering. So <laughs> Dan became Dan became a, a superstar in this whole thing. He really did. People knew him from here and here and there and everywhere. So that happened at Winder Clinic uh, on Fort Benning because I would go, other units would call us and like, hey, they're pushing our guys through the line for these shots. And they would call me and I would drive down to the clinic, get out of my Jeep at the time. And then I'd walk in and talk to the, the, the medical staff inside. And I'd be like, hey, 
you guys are pushing the thing today and I just came here to make sure you have the actual approved shot. And they're like, oh yeah, absolutely. Here it is. Here's Pfizer. I'm like, no, no, no. That's not what I said. Uh, do you have the approved one? Do you have the actual, do you have Comirnaty or however it's pronounced, right? And nobody could ever produce it. So I'd go back out to the unit and I would inform them. I'm like, hey, you guys are good. You don't have to get it. Which like eventually, again, I was no longer welcome at the clinic. <laughs> but like, but, uh, but I mean, then like their first sergeant and their commander are coming over and talk to me and they'll be like, who are you? And I would have to kind of explain it. And then uh, sometimes they'd be like, all right, hey, I, I need to get some answers on this. And like several times it did halt units from going through it. Invariably, inevitably, that was a wave. I was a rock on the beach. I could save this little piece, but I couldn't stop the wave that, you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people going through there. But it was nice to like give people a little reprieve and hope that they'd see me show up, hop out of my Jeep, and that people would get very excited to be like, oh, thank God he's here. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, that's Thanks really good. good. That's really encouraging. And to think that you were ostracized in your own battalion goes to your point about the weakening of the the unity and the cohesiveness that has always made our military strong. And I'm disgusted I, beyond belief at my own profession because, yes, military doctors answer to military command, but they also are licensed in the state in which they practice and they took an oath to serve the patients and they were serving a political agenda against the good of the patients. So I find them just as disgusting and despicable and evil as those in command who abdicated their oath to God and country to answer to this political agenda for this experimental shot. So my concern, especially now is that, um, what was left behind is less people that would question it. And then you also have, I don't, you know, if the, if they say they're at 99% forced vaccination, I don't believe it. One, because without giving away too much information about too much of my awareness of this, but like there was a lot of fake cards made. They left a, a piece open for that, which I refer to as soft compliance. Excuse me. Um, so people would put themselves in a safe position, but then I was like, okay, now that you're safe, I'm not happy about the way you did it, but you have soldiers to protect. So now that you're not at risk, you really need to step up how you're protecting your soldiers and make sure you don't put them in the same situation. And in the beginning, before I really knew how dangerous it was, all I really cared about was that element of force. I was like, if you took it and you're like, hey, I just want to continue my career and you don't care, I just care that you made that choice on your own. And now I've become very anti, you know, the whole program. Uh, but I knew so little at the beginning, just that they were implementing it the wrong way. But on top of that, like I said, so the soft compliance people are the ones that won't speak up now. And then the other ones are the people that really held onto the identity. I mean, we all saw it in lines at stores. There's some people that really love telling people, hey, you need a mask on in right. here. Or like, hey, this please six feet apart. Like they, they, they assigned their whole identity and life purpose to enforcing COVID rules. And I, and I see that they're so ready to have that back because they lost that sense of purpose. So oh. my concern is that what is coming next in the military is what, you know, they, they pushed us out. It was an ideological purge to people that would question those orders. And you don't need a military full of bad people. I would say, I think today is actually the uh, anniversary of Ruby Ridge, if you guys are familiar with it. And Ruby yeah. Ridge didn't, didn't require 40 to 80 bad ATF agents. It required two, a sniper and a team leader that made really aggressive choices, and then 38 people that weren't willing to stop it. So that's the concern is what is that ratio that we have left in the military? How many bad actors that are willing to take those steps and how many that are just not willing to speak up anymore? 
Well, you know, Dan, uh, actually, that was uh, the focus of an entire press conference that I led for Truth for Health Foundation in early 2022 to alert people to the dangers of purging the U.S. military of Christians and conservatives and other people of faith because that is the conscience of the military. And without it, evil takes hold. And you're right, Ruby Ridge and a whole lot of other things can happen. My Lay and Vietnam. And you can go down through history that there have been a few bad apples in our federal agencies that have caught, I mean, look at, look at Waco and look at so many other things. Um, it's, it's same, very, same crew, very way, chilling. <laughs> Excuse me. Same crew, by the way, same sniper, both in Waco and Ruby Ridge. I did not <laughs> remember that. I don't know that I knew that, that it is very chilling where we're headed. And you tie that in with what's going on with the arrest of people who simply are questioning the validity of the vote. They have every right to do that. Um, And the spectacle that's being made with the politicization of the legal process is very, very frightening. This is totalitarian government. We are living in a totalitarian dictatorship right now. So we don't have to speculate about what's coming. It's here. And I know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to rant, but um, I, it really concerns me. And I, I want to hear our lawyers talk about what the hope is here. Yeah, what's the hope and what is the way back? Well, I think we're, you're going to do a break here, Doctor, if memory serves. Let's hear from Dave. He's being quiet and I'm not going to let him get away with it. All right, <laughs> I tell you what, let's take a short break and we'll come back and we're going to have Dave speak to all of this. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report legal segment talking about the landmark DOD case, which is now in a new filing for an on-bank pairing with all 11 federal active judges in the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals. America, this case is hugely important. And I'll quote from the document on the legal grounds before we go to break. And I want you to think about this. Quote, voluntary service in the armed forces does not operate to confer ownership to government of the troops. Yet, Genetic modification of those troops using mRNA technology seemingly does. End quote. Lots to talk about in the second hour, second half hour. Don't go away. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Download our vaccine injury treatment guide and get help. If you got the shot and are having problems, sign up for our email alerts. And please donate to support our legal fight against this horrific tyranny that we face. We'll be right back after the break. This message is from the Truth for Health Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate, many of them losing their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating constitutional rights of service members. 
Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth For Health Foundation. For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report legal segment about the Department of Defense lawsuit latest filing to help protect against mandatory COVID vaccinations. Attorney Todd Callender, Attorney David Wilson, and lead plaintiff, Staff Sergeant Dan Robert, are with us today to talk more about this. And I wanted to go into some of the legal issues in the case and what your thoughts are about this latest appeal, Todd and Dave. And Dave, in particular, you've had 30 years in the military as a JAG attorney, Judge Advocate General attorney. So what are your observations on this situation? Sure. And just one cor- correction. It was 20 years. I hit 20 and my wife said. That. 20. OK, well, that's still yeah. a very impressive career. Yeah. And, and so, I want to do I want to do. But one of the ahead. soldiers who was highly involved with. And Dan, they, they were tied at the hip. He finally got his medical and is able to move on, which is, which is awesome. And he was one of the cases that we helped assisted us with uh, funding that. And so really. Well, that is very good. So I, I, you're, you were um, breaking up just a little bit. One of the cases that we did a legal defense grant for as Truth for Health Foundation was able to get his medical retirement and retire on medical grounds from the military if i if i followed you correctly with the little glitch in the transmission that wanted him out and they tried as hard as they could to get him kicked out i think he was at so he's he's going to have a, a nice retirement and be that's excellent. Excellent. Todd, we're having a little bit of difficulty uh, with uh, uh, Dave's connection. Uh, could you speak to some of the legal issues? Because you had a, a really powerful quote in a email to us just recently about not allowing the courts and governments to bury the truth. Talk to us about why all of you are so committed that this case will, you will not let this die if it has to go all the way to the Supreme Court. It's because it affects all of us, doctor. And thank you. And, and by the way, Dave lives in the boonies. Um, smartly so, right? He's, he's off the grid for a large part of it. So um, that's why you're the, the little bit of a transmission problem. So Dave, thank you for trying. Um, and I'll, I'll supplement as I can. The short answer to the question is this, doctor, as we um, 
saw that the DOD, HHS, and FDA were not defending the suit, really. Um, they instead chose, instead of filing an answer to the allegations we made, they simply motioned to dismiss and said the case is not justiciable. Court, you don't have jurisdiction to hear this. And um, so their pleadings were very strange and almost stalked, which made us look into a lot of different things, including the fact that the, um, the products that they were using, two mRNA and one adenovirus product that the military had adopted, Johnson Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer, had these hydrogel components, and they were gene therapy shots. And I had found in uh, the military's own documents that they had looked at uh, informed consent differently as it relates to gene therapy shots versus investigative new drugs. So the Army et al. were um, effectively saying, we don't owe any informed consent. All the DOD, they weren't providing, this is what Dan was saying, they weren't telling anybody these were experimental shots. Um, they maintained that these were um, FDA approved when in fact they were not. And that's why Dan said he'd go there and show me the Comirnaty. None of the military could produce it because they didn't use it. They used uh, BioNTech and other um, drugs. In fact, they weren't drugs at all. They're gene therapy shots. And the military um, agreed with the attorney general in 2005. This was Donald Rumsfeld. I can't remember who the AG was. But there was a special memo that said, in the case of gene therapy, you don't have to give informed consent. All you have to do is make it possible for the subject, or in this case, the victim, to know that it's uh, investigational, otherwise known as experimental. Um, but you don't have to tell them anything special. So the military has been doing gene modification on their service members since 2005. And we discovered a study, it's C459-1001, whereby the um, Pfizer protocol was a phase one, two, and three clinical trial, which is impossible. You'll know that as a doctor. It's, I, it's any one of one, two, or three, not all together. <laughs> they used 44,000 service members and their families as test subjects. And they used something called an in-touch e-diary. And as we started searching through that, what that was and what it does, it was a device reading real-time cellular changes inside of the people that got the shots. And the only way that could happen is through the hydrogel infusing cesium-137 and other ingredients that were disclosed, right? We didn't make this up. They disclosed the use of these ingredients in the shots. And what those do is genetically modify a body. In the case of cesium-137, it, it binds to living tissue and it turns it into a transistor, transceiver, uh, transducer, and amplifier. And these ePCR devices from InTouch eDiary were reading cellular changes, gene modifications within six hours of the shots. That data was being transmitted through the telephone system, your cell phone towers at all, to Israel, where the data was then laundered and sent back to um, the FDA, the DOD, and Pfizer to support their uh, emergency use application and their biologic license application. And we know that because we have their documents. We've published them. We've maintained this throughout in our lawsuit that these were gene modification shots and there's an operable piece of law that came out in 2013. It's a Supreme Court case. It's called Molecular Pathology versus Myriad Genetics. The holding in that case, it's on page six, halfway down starting with the words, it is also. It holds that use of mRNA technology, messenger uh, RNA or even synthetic RNA technology to create a gene modification. Uh, in other words, a synthetic organism that is patentable. And there is dicta in the, the uh, opinion of the Supreme Court that says, you know, this might apply to humans at some point in the future. 
So this also led on a, on a little bit of another journey. How long have they been after this? And that led to a 2001 paper from NASA Langley Research um, who said fifth generation warfare by 2025. We'll use super soldiers and we're going to call them Borg because they're a new species. That's on page two, by the way. Um, and sure enough, we found a SIN bio program in the DOD. So this has all been going on for a very long time. We put that in front of the court. Um, who labored on that after we were dismissed out of the district court. We went to the appellate court, the 10th Circuit, who sat on our case for six months after oral arguments where I talked about soldiers wanting to remain human, not a new species, not an own species, which is what the Supreme Court precedent says. In other words, slavery, and that violates the 13th Amendment for all of humanity. Um, and then my, my law partner, Dave, did the second half of the oral arguments in the 10th Circuit, and he um, edified the court that, in fact, there was no licensed Comirnaty. It didn't exist. Uh, and we produced the evidence as such as we'd already entered into the court record. So the uh, Tenth Circuit three judges sat on it for six months, laboring what to do, what to do. And they eventually decided, like every other court in the, in the very same subject matter, that they didn't have jurisdiction. It's not justiciable. We're not going to hear it. Why? Because there's no good answer. That's why. Because if all of these people that got the shots are owned, what do you think is going to happen? Right? That's slavery. We outlawed that in 1865. Um, and if they said, no, all these people are known, well, the trillions of dollars that were put into the thousands of patents that talk about owning people or owning this new species and using them for cloud computing and batteries and, and such, um, they're just out of luck. So there is no good answer to this quandary. So they punted. And um, said, we're not going to hear it. So uh, Dave and I and Andy Schlafly said, no, we're not giving up. This is a, a question for humanity. Half the planet got the shots. Does half the planet belong to the patent holders, otherwise known as Pfizer et al.? Um, NIH, Fauci, our government, Trudeau. There's a lot of patent holders here. I think Dr. Malone, as a matter of fact, might be one of those. Does the planet, half the planet belong to those people or not? Um, like I said, we outlawed slavery. So that's the question that we put in front of the Tenth Circuit on Bonk, um, meaning they're all going to get a chance to look at this. And you saw, I believe, a copy of the pleadings we filed. I have not yet seen an answer out of the DOJ who represents the DOD, FDA, and HHS. It's pretty hard to um, to say, no, this isn't isn't real. And um, they, they never once have denied this, doctor. Never once in the two years that we've been alleging this have they denied this. Why? Because it's the truth, and it's an uncomfortable truth. And it's very well documented. Yes, it is. And this is something that is very difficult for the average public to wrap their minds around, that our military could be planning something this ominous for this long. That's right. A long, long time, doctor. It took at least 50 years of legal wrangling to get us into the position where our, our constitutional rights could be suspended by the declaration of a national emergency that happened 13 March 2020, followed immediately by a public health emergency by HHS that suspended our human rights. And then came the public health emergency of international concern, which suspended human rights globally. What does that mean? It means no Nuremberg rights, no informed consent rights, no war crimes rights. They removed all rights from all humans globally with those declarations. And it took at least 50 years to shape the world's laws because this is global. And I'm an international lawyer. This is what I do. All of the world's laws in every country were changed like a cattle chute to arrive at those three simple declarations, actually one of them, 
to remove every right you think you have as one of God's creatures on this planet. What is the solution? The solution is we take them out. The, um, these are um, these are people without any authority. Who elected them? Who appointed them? By what authority did they act? Quo warranto. By what authority? Uh, and the answer is by none. And as we talked in the last half, you know, these people are actors, and they are sitting in government. They're impersonating federal officials, and we don't have to follow their orders. We don't have to go along with the program. We can invalidate them, and we must do that. They're going to roll out central bank digital currency to further enslave us. We don't have to do that. Screw them. No. They, you know what happened in Nigeria when they uh, they forced people into central bank digital currency in Nigeria? They started trading cassava. They went to other currencies. They refused to be cowed into a Nigerian central bank digital currency because they knew that that money is programmable. Too much meat. Yeah, money doesn't work. Go too far from home. Money doesn't work. No vacation for you this year because the so sustainable development goals say you can't have that. Not enough credits, right? Social credit, just like China. We opt out, doctor, and say no more. Well, that's exactly right. And we just did a program on the 40, uh, the C40 cities planned for 2030. 14 of the United States of America's largest cities, all of the major cities down the East Coast, out through Texas, West Coast major cities, Midwest, 14 have agreed that in seven years, you will have zero kilograms of meat consumption, zero kilograms of dairy, three new articles of clothing a year, no private transportation, and one 1,500-kilometer flight every three years. That is what they have planned for us. That is one reason your case is so important, because if they own, if, if the patent holders, in fact, are owning those who got the shots, then they can direct the way they live and work and whether or not they survive. That's right, because they're chattel property. They are no longer humans with rights. If they are a new species, do they enjoy human rights? And the answer is no, they're not humans. Right? That's how they design this. In the papers that talk about augmented um, humans, in, in fact, there was a paper that was done circa 2001, uh, I'm sorry, 2009, it, the UK and the uh, German military got together on this. It was page 67. Um, where they were so full of hubris and, and proud of the fact that they were able to make super soldiers. They, they finally questioned and said, you know, we should probably think about what rights these, these new super soldiers have, this new augmented humanity, if any. Um, it was an afterthought. And the answer is none. If you kill your dog, did you, did you commit the crime of homicide? The answer is no. Why? Your dog's a canine, not a homo sapiens. That's why. Uh, the same logic applies here. If you, if you kill a homo borg genesis, they, the NASA Langley Research Paper, they named this new species Borg. If you kill a Borg, um, did you commit homicide? The answer is no. You, you committed Borgicide if there is such a crime, and to my knowledge, there isn't. Sergeant Robert, what, what is your reaction to all of this as a career military service member? And what do your colleagues have to say about it? 
So the biggest thing, <clears throat> I guess that makes it hard for me, right? So I, I see myself in leadership roles repeatedly, which means I have a responsibility to my subordinates so that they know their rights as well as are empowered, right? There's a couple of different ways of like, you know, making things happen. And there's like inspiration and manipulation and there's like force. There's a lot of ways to get your soldiers to fall in line or do these things, but like there's nothing deeper than empowering and inspiring them to create like a better person in general, a more capable leader, continue a generation of people that actually care about having a value system. And I just, I see it all getting ripped to pieces. I see it all getting destroyed. Any individual who stood up and was able to do that, like we've all been removed from power and it's just so hard. Like I said, it's heartbreaking. So I see most of us now, including the individual um, that Dave was referring to earlier, we're all getting out into the civilian populace and starting our own companies. We're starting to become our own leaders and we're not going to let people push us around. But it's like, I, you know, my, I don't know how to get the word out. I don't know how to make it digestible enough. Like I said, it's hard for people to hear it because it's such a harsh truth. It's almost unbelievable to most people. If you tell them everything that we've spoken about here, they'll hear this and they think, oh, this is conspiracy. This is, oh, that's a little bit too much. That's kind of a stretch. But even though we have all the receipts, we can prove every part. And it's like, it's going to take a lot of just spiritual leaders inside of the American populace to be able to pull this thing back because it's pretty clear that there's no physical body who's going to hold these people accountable. You know, and as Todd said, like we, we don't have to follow them and they have to be removed from their office, but, but who's going to physically do it and do it doesn't need to physically happen. Or could you just say, no, could you just stop doing what they said? You know, a handful of people, you know, less than 200 total people maybe even involved in that type of thing to rule 330 million why does the 330 million keep doing it and there's like an operant conditioning thing that's happened here over time and i think the application of masks on and off and then thinking it's like turning a light on and off in a prison cell you know like leaving them in the dark for days and then finally the light comes back on for a few hours the next time the light goes back out the, the person is even more psychologically suppressed and i feel like that's like we're starting to see that mask stuff coming back. And I think we're really going to see who was, who was full of it and who means what they said. We're going to see if everybody's like, oh, I'm never doing that again. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens if they can't get into the grocery stores or what, how people are going to handle it. And like I said, it's just interesting. So the entire perspective, I guess, to answer your question turns into, you know, I feel personally responsible as a leader to lead people to like spiritual safety now, more so than I ever did in like, a combat sense. And people always said to me, you know, as a service member, thank you for your service. Thank you for defending freedom. But in truth, you know, I was an instrument of the global war on terror, which I now know, you know, was built on a lot of lies, you know, and I, I know that it eventually helped grow things like the Patriot Act, which later got used against me, you know, and is used against all of us now. And that's, that's a hard thing for me to deal with. So I have to say that I never defended freedom until we had our case filing. And I think it's one of the most significant things that any of us could do is continue to uh, basically sort through the lies on that and then continue to take leadership positions and try to lead people to Haven, whether that's spiritually or what might turn into physically someday, especially as these cities become implemented, that is not going to be a safe place for people like me. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it is, it's, I'm, I'm not going to be welcome there. And as things are restricted, they don't rule me. They don't, not in any legal sense and not in any spiritual sense. Nobody has that command over me here on planet earth so like that is going to be a very dangerous thing for them whether i physically became a danger to them or not is irrelevant it's dangerous to have the idea 
that their their statements or their commands are invalid. That's that threatens everything that it stands for. Can can I add to that? I don't know if you all saw it, but you know, in Maui, one of the uh, council meetings, this older lady, she was a, a native Hawaiian, said, "We're we're not doing this. You are not going to kick us off the land. This is a blood oath. No Hawaiian is going to let you rule. You know, you're not doing this." And it was really cool to see all the Hawaiians come together and say, no, we're not doing this. You think you're going to build something here? Nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to let you do it. There'll be flat tires or whatever else it is. We're not going to help you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm seeing that popularity, that that sense of humanity is rising. There's going to be 100 million or more Dan Roberts who aren't going into your 15-minute prison. It's not going to happen. Absolutely. Well, <clears throat> That is encouraging. And you're absolutely right that we need spiritual leaderships because this across the board, because this is a spiritual battle between the forces of evil against the forces of good and trying to destroy God's design of life, God's design of the planet. I mean, all the weather engineering and everything else that we know is going on. And a lot of the military capability on that front as well has been hidden from the public. But we, we are seeing the escalation of the entire transhumanism broader agenda to destroy life as our creator's design. And I think a lot of it is important that the way this administration has run things from the get-go was to change definitions. Like they even changed the definition of vaccine at one point because we basically said, yeah, this is not what this is. And they're like, oh, well, we'll just change the word to mean right. what we needed to. So it's all about muddying the waters so people can't make clear decisions. I mean, even though this is a whole separate conversation to get into, uh, basically the infiltration of the LGBT agenda from transhumanists as well as actual now, uh, like the transgender movement stuff. I mean, each one of those steps removes another person's ability to reproduce, right? So whether they're applying some part of their brain uh, into believing that they need to do it or whatever, it still fits you know, a global agenda to reduce population by making that popular and making it so you can't speak out about it. I mean, you're still removing like, ability fertility you know what i mean you're still reducing population this is still creating uh people that are lifelong medical um dependents you know what i mean they need constant care after that it's like you can see how many facets of all of this are the same thing and like i said that agenda um it's just like another piece of what we're seeing and by telling people they're not allowed to speak out against it it's just like kind of that operant conditioning thing like i said it's like one more piece that before somebody sees something that they don't trust including the vaccination stuff, uh, they're not they're not going to speak out because everything that we talk about, everything we see, everything crammed down our throats, whether it's, um, you know, somebody representing Bud Light now or any of these companies or whatever, they're, they're just continually beating into people's heads that you can't speak out against it. You cannot say anything else. And then, you know, like I said, all of it preparing for what is the big order that's coming? Probably the 15 minute cities, probably everything we've talked about here. It's just constantly reinforcing that they don't they don't have rights and they're not allowed to speak. And then pushing also the globalist, um, you know, population reduction agenda. I mean, I, I tie it all together. Good. Yeah. Well, we need to have you back to do a whole other program on that. That's very yeah. much the focus that we've been doing is connecting the dots. And actually, 
having you speak for our Faith Over Fear seminar would also be really powerful on exactly that point, connecting the dots, the big picture. And Todd and David, I just am so grateful to both of you for all you've done in this incredible, incredible, nonstop, seven days a week legal fight. Dave, can we get you for a couple of comments, your closing comments before we go? Yeah, how's my audio sounding? Good. Um, yeah, sorry about my internet. It's it's not good. Uh, what I was going to say, what Dan was just saying is, um, what came to my mind was Second Kings 6, are more for us than against us. And that was evidenced by what Dan was saying. And what I found over the last three years in helping a lot of military is you have following these orders and are almost they're evil about it they're looking to make who are just scared for their career and they're like well i might as well just do it just went along to get along they're actually for us if they have the leadership that they evil ones i'm working on an mspb case right now and these people went after this one client um, because she stood up and said no. And it was civilians coming out of the woodwork attacking her for almost like, okay, free speech and debate, it's over. You do what we in the lines. Well, too bad. We're not going to do that. So, Thank you, Dave. Todd. Your yeah. comments. Well, I do. You know, Dan mentioned something earlier. Uh, it's really important. He said, you know, we're battle buddies. And, and that's how the military works is, is you team up. And uh, when you use that battle buddy, you get another one. But the, the, the credo, there's a Jody call in the Army. And uh, the tagline is this, never leave your buddy until he's sure he, until you're sure he's dead. We all march on. You grab the, the nearest person to you, make him your battle buddy, and we march on. We're not doing this. Humanity is arising right now, doctor. Good. And we call out all of you to join us in this crusade to save humanity. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. And you will die if you don't stand against evil, because that is their ultimate goal, is death of those who don't give in to evil. God is sovereign and God prevails. We stand with God, we stand with truth, and we stand with the forces of good against the forces of evil. Join us again for another Whistleblower Report and more on all of these topics to inspire and encourage you to stand, to speak, and to act against evil and preserve life in our constitutional republic and all of our God-given freedoms. This is Dr. Lee for America. We'll be back again with another Whistleblower Report. Tune in at www.whistleblowerreports.org and on Truth Hub, Cloud Hub, Rumble, iHeart, Apple iTunes, and more. We are there to spread truth. Thank you, Todd, Dave, and Dan for joining us today. God bless you all. 
and may God continue to bless the United States of America. God bless, Doc. Thank you, Doctor.